0: Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal Word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins.
1: Hello, friends. Delighted to be back with you again. Jeff and I are delighted to be back.
0: Good to have uh, you all
2: listening with us today.
1: Yes. Thank you very much for tuning in to us. We went last time on the Spirit God. And we started back before the foundation of the world and found that God was all alone with his thoughts and then thoughts expressed our words and the Bible word for words is Logos and the Logos is Christ. So we find Christ is the very expression of the thoughts of God. Not a second person in the Godhead, but rather God himself moving, condescending down to one day meet us in flesh as he did in Jesus Christ to, to uh, become kin to us for the work of redemption. So there's a big, many, many steps, thousands of years uh, in, in between there. Just, just to give you an idea about uh, how long ago all of this started in Genesis 1.1. It says, <clears throat> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big period right there. Now, we don't know when that was, millions of years ago, billions of years ago, we have no concept. Science has a figure that they've figured out in the millions or billions, but whatever it was, the eternal God, whenever it it came into existence, God created it. And then verse 2, Genesis 1 verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now we're coming up to the time where God is going to form Eden and Adam and Eve are going to come on earth, and that's only a few thousand, thousand years ago. So between the time of the creation of heaven and earth, there was some kind of cataclysmic judgment of earth that left it in darkness. The removal of light is always God's judgment of darkness. So the earth was sitting there enshrouded in darkness. And then God began to create Eden, and then Adam and Eve, and then the plan of, plan of God that we all talk about in this, we'll call it the age that we live in. And apparently it's none of our business what happened back there, but to think that the eternal God did nothing but twiddle his thumbs until a few thousand years ago, that's uh, kind of a sad thought. But nevertheless, we see it in scripture and it's there, but it, if, we, if we needed to know it, God would have unveiled it to us. But this invisible God in his manifestation, Christ becomes the mystery of God revealed in that we can't communicate, see, understand uh, about a spirit God. So he condescends down to the Logos form, the Christ form, which we found in the last session, takes on many forms and they, as a pillar of fire, as a cloud, uh, as angels, and it's still God. And then finally creating a body through the Virgin and then having a virgin-born body, God stepping into that body and declaring himself. And then the, the body, uh, the scripture says in Hebrews 5, Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So the, so the flesh part of that creation had to learn to become subject to the spirit God that lived in him. And you may think how terrible, but that's exactly the same thing you and I go through. If we've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then God lives in us, but now we have the, the struggle to bring our lives and our flesh subject to that God that's in us. But without the God in us, there is no bringing subject. It's just rules and regulations, and the, and the Jews under the law discovered they couldn't live it. And so that's why God came back then with this, this second tes- New Testament, this new uh, situation between God and man where we have a grace covenant with God and a predestinated people. And when we talk about predestination, if we sometimes, if you look at it in the wrong way, you think it's not fair. But on the other hand, if God didn't predestinate some, none would be saved because man is by nature, scripture tells you, is at enmity with God. And an enemy got alienated from God in our mind and in our thoughts. So God's grace is what's drawing those of you who are spending the time to look at this program, curious about God, wondering about God, drawing to God. It's God's grace that's drawing you. So as we look at this God that's been unveiling Himself, He laid down what we call shadows for us in the Old Testament. And uh, I would like to go into the shadow of, of Joseph But before I do, I'll just check my partner here and see if Jeff's got anything to add before I jump into that.
2: Well, no, actually, just one thing, and that is is that uh, you'd referred to this great eternal God, that self-existent one, taking on a form, that form being called Logos. And then whenever he took on a form, like Elohim on the plains of Mamre with Abraham or like Melchizedek, would that be considered then a theophany?
1: Yeah, that is a theophany. Yeah, theoph- theophany is, a, is, the, is the, a word manifestation of what we call a word body. And so it is a theophany form. And the theophany, oh my, that's a, that's a whole study in itself. Uh, just to drop in something to whet your appetite for more, maybe, in Genesis 1.26 when God said, let us make man in our image. His whole family was created right there. He didn't create a single man. He created his whole family right there in his great thinking, in theophany form. And not because, because when he was created in God's image, God himself had not yet come to flesh. So this fellow here, this body we live in, that's not, not the image of God. God is a spirit. And so there was a spirit being a theophany being created there. And then, and then in Genesis 2, 5, that's when God formed man out of the dust of the earth because there was not a man to till the soil. And then that, that allowed God to put a man on the earth that could fall. And then that through no, it didn't make him fall, but knowing he would, and the infinite God with all knowledge knew he would, and so therefore that initiated the program where God could begin to unveil himself through his attributes of Savior and Healer, uh, Redeemer, Kinsman, Redeemer, and all, all these other attributes. But the, to show you the, the, the plan of God, I think the story of Joseph in the Old Testament mm-hmm. is one of the most clearest, what we call, Christ types in the, in the Bible. And I could give it to you fairly brief, but I'll just read a few of them to you and then I'll tell you the story in brief. And if you'd, if you'd like more details about it, just, just contact us and say, I'd like more details about Joseph and we can fill in, the, fill in the details for you. When you look at an Old Testament shadow now, those of you that study the Bible, you'll already know this, you can't pick up on every detail or the, or the image is lost. You have to t- catch the highlights of what's going on. And when you catch the highlights, then you see, you see what God is trying, trying to show. So starting in Genesis chapter 37, we find Joseph, Joseph coming on the scene. And he's 17 years old, verse 2 says, and verse 3 says, Now Israel, that's his daddy loved Joseph more than all his brethren because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. So he had on, he was wrapped in a robe that was different from the other brothers. The other brothers were his half brothers. They didn't have the same mother, same daddy, but not the same mother. And so coat of many colors, we we speculate that might, might have even been a rainbow color because he's a covenant child, just like Jesus was a covenant child. And so it was a coat of many colors. That's in the Bible for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then, and then verse four, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And so in the dreams, then he finds in two different dreams, one with stars and one, one with wave she, uh, wheat, wheat, sheaves, and they're doing obeisance. Is that the right word? Bowing to him, worshiping him, bowing before him. And it upsets the brethren terribly and they hate him the more for the fact that he talks like they'll one day bow before him. And then the father, it's, he rebuked uh, Joseph for suggesting that his mother and daddy would bow to him. But yet it said he held all these things in his mind. There's something here, but he didn't express it. He was, he was willing to watch for it. So here's Joseph now as a young man, watch the Christ types now, hated by his brothers, because he's spiritual and loved by the Father. We jump in our thinking to Jesus, hated by his brethren, the Jews, because he was spiritual and obviously loved by the Father and declared a relationship to the Father that they they couldn't claim. So we're watching our Christ types now. And then... The dreams you can read about in in, uh, chapter 37, starting at about verse six or seven, and there's two two genes, one one right behind the other. And then later in the verse down about verse 18, his daddy sends them out to meet the brethren out in the field where they're watching over the sheep. And as they see him coming, they start uh, conspiring how to kill him without a cause. And so uh, one of the brothers intercedes, Reuben intercedes, And says, No, let's don't kill him. Don't put blood on our hands. We'll just throw him in a pit and leave him. Now, the types you kind of have to read between the lines now. They threw him in a pit to be as good as dead. And then they were going to take his coat, which he had, and they dipped it in goat's blood and going to send that back to daddy to deceive him into thinking some wild beast had killed him. And then, so now he is thrown in a pit with the concept of he's as good as dead. Then they then they see a caravan passing by on its way to Egypt. And so then they decide to sell him and get him off of their hands. The main thing they wanted to do is get rid of him anyway. And so they sell him then to this Egyptian caravan as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so they're sold now then, and so now he's he's raised raised up out of this out of this pit now and, and sent to Egypt. And then when he goes to Egypt he's working with a uh, high man in Egypt and he's falsely accused by his wife and then he's put into prison. So then in the prison there's a butcher and a baker butler excuse me and a baker that are with him uh, in prison and they each have a dream and in the dream in the dreams when when they ask Joseph to interpret the dreams one of one of the two is going to be returned to his place in the palace and the other one is going to die. Mm -hmm. And so, so watch the type. Now, here's Jesus in prison on the cross and two are with him and one is going to be to the palace, shall we say, and have life and the other one's going to die. And so there's the very same thing. So from prison and then we find in the big jump, we find then, that Joseph is supposedly dead, put in a prison, prison of the cross, exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh and Jesus exalted to the right hand of the father. And so the, the types run there, but there's a few details in here that I'd like to catch that, that fill in some of the story of Joseph just, just beautifully. In, uh, it's in chapter 39, starting at about verse 20, that he's put in prison. And then chapter 40 talks about the uh, butler and the baker and their dreams and how that their, uh, the dreams are fulfilled and the the roles are taking just like Jesus. Now the, uh, and then the Pharaoh has this dream about famine and he can interpret it. And the butler that had his dream interpreted says, hey, there's a fella in prison that can do these things, and so he's brought out of prison and then sits at the right hand of Pharaoh and becomes comes the second only to Pharaoh, just like Jesus, no man can come to the Father, but by Jesus, nobody can come to the Pharaoh but by joseph and then so he becomes like almost like second in command, and everybody there and then, as he goes out, there's a trumpet sounded before him, and everything stops, and every knee bows. It's Joseph comes to the thing, just like the scripture says that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Christ. So the types keep running perfect. Now, the one that I want to get to is several times in Genesis 43, 26, Genesis 43, 28, Genesis 44:14, 14, we find his brethren have come to him now and are falling before him. Uh, for, because they don't know who he is. The famine is in the land and they've come now for, for grain, for wheat, for life, for sustenance. And here's Joseph who hasn't yet told them who he is and yet he's revealed, yet he's taking care of them. Just like the Jews don't yet know who Jesus is, but yet he's taking care of them anyway because he has a plan for him. He knows what it's all about. When, when he was rejected by his brethren, Joseph I'm talking about when he was rejected by his brethren and then came to the right hand of Pharaoh during the time of his rejection from his brother he took a Gentile bride and that's exactly what Jesus has been doing during this time where he's not with the Jews because he blinded them book of Romans tells us he blinded them for the sake of us Jesus is calling out a Gentile bride the same way that Joseph had a Gentile bride. Almost all of the the Christ types. Moses had a Gentile bride. Boaz had a Gentile bride. All the Christ types in the Old Testament have a a Gentile bride. And then all the way over now in Genesis chapter 50 it says, and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from this place. And then in Exodus uh, it says that they, they did the very same thing that carried up his bones out of Egypt. So Joseph also left an empty tomb, just like Jesus left an empty tomb. Mm. And so all the, all the Christ types are there. But for us in this area during this time period of this broadcast, uh, where we're in now, this we're still in a Gentile age and God is still calling the Gentiles, still working among the Gentiles. So this we're in this age now. So then when... When Joseph now, when his brethren are coming to him to to get grain and he's taking care of them, not to go into all the scheme, there's finally a time where he unveils himself to his brethren, the Jews. He lets them know who he is. Chapter 45, verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, cause every man to go out from me. So therefore he dismissed everyone around him before he unveiled himself to the to his brethren. And that's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to dismiss his Gentile bride into a rapture, put him into another place before he reveals himself to his brethren the Jews. And then and then as after he has they're, they're scared to death and we could take you to Zechariah 12 where they're scared to death there too. Oh my, where did you get those wounds in your hands? Mm-hmm. And, and then in verse 4, 45, 4, I am Joseph, your brother, <clears throat> whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Yeah, Where would we be without Jesus going, mm-hmm. going to the cross? Verse six, for these two years has the famine been in the land and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. Verse seven, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And so we see in the great plan of God, we know in that movie called The Passion, as people wrote it up in the papers, they were saying, oh, look, Uh, the Jews killed the Messiah and others were saying, look, the Romans killed the Messiah. Uh, Doesn't make any difference in one sense. what, What happened there, it was all in the plan of God. If there had been, if Christ, Christians think with me a moment on this. If Christ had not been crucified, there would have been no shed blood and we would have all been lost. So when we when we want to blame somebody for the crucifixion of Christ, uh, don't, don't go that way. If Jesus had lived, we'd be lost. So somebody had to shed his blood to make a way and a provision, provision for us. And if we want to go back to our types, it was neither the Romans nor the Jewish populace that killed him. It was the religious system of the day that killed him. And there's our types that carry forward in every age, the... Those which fight the existing truth are almost always the former age religions, older religions, caught in their traditions. And I brought it up to a place, Jeff, if you got any comments. I'd like to uh, read a scripture that uh, Brother Lonnie
2: had uh, in, uh, referred to, and that's out of Zechariah chapter 12. Well, we do find that the Jews eventually recognize this Messiah, the ones that, uh, this, this Joseph type, and we find that uh, Joseph had married a Gentile bride, had not revealed himself to the Jews as of yet, while he was courting his bride, for, uh, we find the famine was for seven years and for seven church ages. We find uh, that while this Gentile era was going on, Jesus was now redeeming a bride, a Gentile bride unto himself. Then he returns back to reveal himself to the Jews. In revealing himself to the Jews, they recognized that the Jews, they recognized they had had the Christ crucified. They had had, by the fact that the Bible tells us in many scriptures, Zechariah, Isaiah, but particularly also in the New Testament Matthew, that their eyes were blinded. And so God yeah. allowed the Jews to be blinded. To crucify the Christ, the blood would be shed so that there would be a Gentile bride. Now, in Zechariah, their eyes are going to be opened, and I'll read it to you. And this is Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Jesus was pierced in the hands and in the feet. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, they shall be in bitterness for him as one in bitterness for his firstborn." They're going to recognize. They're going to grieve. They're going to be so sad that it was their their fathers that had had him crucified. And so now uh, they're, they're aware of the fact that he was the Messiah And they're mourning this pierced one, Jesus Christ. In in that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadramon in the valley of Megiddon. And the land shall mourn every family apart, and the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, and the family of the house of Nathan apart, and so on, and the families of the house of Levi, and all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. So we find them grieving over the fact that he was was crucified. The Jews are grieving over the fact that they had him crucified. Now, if we look really quick um, in chapter 13, verse six, it says, and one shall say unto him, this one that was crucified and pierced, and one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? So now we get a little better understanding of even where the piercing was. What are the wounds in thine hands? And he goes on to say, "Then he shall answer those which, with which I was wounded in the house of my friends." So we find that at this great time, and we're very close to that time, by the way, that very that very age, where the Jews' eyes will be opened. They're already in the homeland. Uh, they are a nation. The Bible says, "The generation that sees Israel become a nation, that generation shall not pass away." The fig tree. That generation shall not pass away. They're in their homeland. They have their own flag. They have their own currency. They have their own military. They're waiting for the return. They're waiting for the Messiah. They don't know who entirely the Messiah is going to be or what uh, form he's going to come in, but they're anticipating the return of the Messiah only to find out
1: that it was Jesus Christ. Anything else, Brother Lonnie, you'd like to mention? Well, when we go into the Christ type with uh, Jesus, and uh, I could, we referred back to the book of Ruth, And so when we're talking about Joseph and his, let's say, redemption of his brethren, we find in the story of Ruth that Ruth, there is a Jewish woman named Naomi, and she has gone out of the land with her husband and her two sons during a time of famine. And then while they're out, her husband passes away and her uh, the, the Gentile wives that the two daughters had, the uh, two sons had taken, the two husbands, uh, the sons passed away. Right. And so now Ruth is left with two daughter-in-laws. And one daughter-in-law, she, she goes back to her people. But Ruth, she says, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you die, I'll die. Where, whatever God you worship, I'll worship that God. And she goes back into the land with uh, Naomi. And then Naomi shows her that they have a next of kin who's very wealthy named Boaz. And he is capable of doing the work of redemption for them. That's another story in itself. Mm-hmm. But it takes a next of kin to be able to do the work of redemption. And so, <clears throat> so then Boaz starts the work of redemption. But to make the story simple, he falls in love with Ruth and wants to marry Ruth in the redemption process. <laughs> So to do that, he has to do the work of redemption for, for Naomi. So to straighten it all out and clarify my words, the, the kinsman redeemer, to get his Gentile bride, had to redeem Naomi, representing the Jew. So God did the work for Israel, gains a Gentile bride, then turns back to Israel again. So the whole cycle is just repeated in story after story after story, of uh, Joseph and Ruth and Boaz, and uh, Moses, while out of the land, marries Zipporah, a Gentile, and Moses is a Christ-type, Redeemer-type, Lawgiver-type, so he's a Christ-type, but he takes a Gentile bride, and these stories always go on. So this is the era, friends, when God is still calling a Gentile bride, and I hope that you're pressing toward the mark to be part of that group because out of the church there are two groups, And the two groups are a wise and a foolish virgin. Mm -hmm. And between the wise and the foolish, you can read about it in Matthew 25, we find part of that group, both virgins, both clean living, that out of that group then one group is ready for the bridegroom and the second group is not ready. They don't have oil in their lamp, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you need that, friends. I need that, friends. We're not complete without it. so we're leaving a lot of these things hanging we're running out of time again Jeff did you want to add anything in our 40 seconds
2: repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost Jesus Christ God incarnate came he died on the cross for you and for me shed his blood that the very life of Christ might come back upon the believer that comes about by you repenting of your sins write us stay in correspondence with us we love you god bless you and we'll see you again next week
1: friends in our story of joseph in our shadows we remember that joseph is a type of christ and while in rejection from his from his brethren which types the jews is exactly when he took a gentile bride which is what's going on right today zechariah 12:9 shows us that the jews will receive their Messiah back again. And Joseph said to his brethren, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring salvation. Friends, had Jesus not died on the cross, we would all be lost in our sins. It's by faith, friends, it's by faith. Can you believe the word of God and receive salvation?
0: To receive a DVD of today's program entitled God Before the Beginning write to us at Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio zip code 45801 here in the USA or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us Our website also has other information available including reading material that may be downloaded free of charge please take the time to visit our site. That address again is globalanswers.us. And while you're there, please contact us through our email, info at globalanswers.us, and send us your comments or questions. Thank you for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ...